Sorry about that. Uh, before we start, though, Miles has a quick testimony, so we'll invite Miles up uh, just to share with us. You know, the whole point of why we do what we do is so your lives are impacted and changed by it, not so that we say, hey, great message, and let's go for bagels and coffee. So when Miles shared, you know, this is the whole point is to hear what God does in your life. This actually happened while I was in the course of listening to a message. I kind of listened to the messages intermittently in my car. and But um, I, I just feel this is not one of those healing things. This is um, just God showing up. And these miracles that we see, we always anticipate these big miracles. But these small miracles that God does, I believe he just orchestrated everything. Just a brief intro. Um, I'm at, those of us who've walked in the Lord a while always go through seasons in our walk. You know, I'm at that season now where uh, staying in the word, I'm listening to messages, but trying to get to that place, you know, with the Ruach and there's one, it's been a little tough, but I'm trying to stay plugged in. <clears throat> so this is New Year's Day, and I just wanted to go get coffee because we have a lot of company coming in. And I'm listening to the message. And for some reason, I, I, I got new headphones for Hanukkah and Christmas. So I, was just, I decided to walk into the food store with my headphones on listening to the message. And I'm listening intently. And this was the part where you were talking about surrendering to God and are we doing those things. And, and I'm walking, talking to myself. No, I'm not, Lord. I'm really not. But you know, I'm waiting. So I go get my coffee. I go up to the register as normal, and my card didn't work, and it's my bank card. I know we have money there, it's all good. I'm gonna try it again, maybe it was just a thing, and my card didn't go through. So you know that embarrassing moment, and sorry, gotta put my bags back. So <laughs> I, I walk to the foyer, you know, before you walk out the doors, and I'm trying to call Raylan, and the phone's ringing, I'm not getting an answer, of course, cell phones, and I'm standing there, and all of a sudden, behind me, a hand, and this woman comes up with the bag of coffee and puts it on the shelf and says, I got you these. I bought you these. And she just said to me, we got to take care of each other. And I was like, it never happened to me before. You know, not one of these things. I hear other testimonies, but it's never happened to me. And I just, I welled up a little bit, and... You know, we hugged, and I just said, thank you. That was like a God thing. So she walks out, and I'm sitting there. I'm still trying to call Ray Lynn out because I want to tell her what, what just happened. <laughs> phone's ringing, of course. <laughs> she would tell me, if I was in an accident, you never answer your phone. <laughs> so I was so compelled, and I saw her walking out there. And as I'm walking to my car, and I said, ma'am, I have to tell you, I was listening to a sermon just now about you know God's miracles and showing up and you just you know you're an angel you just you know did God and she felt that I blessed her and, and and all of that but she said she felt it too and I knew God showed up it wasn't even the miracle of the coffee that that was awesome and we got this coffee that I couldn't pay for it but that God showed up and he showed me something this is how he communicates with us you know we stay plugged in we listen to his word, but, you know, Yeshua always said, for those who have ears, let them hear, and, you know, 
you got to hear God's voice. This is how he shows up. And it was just so an awesome lesson. You know, I came to the house and like, okay, I got like some bad news, but I got good news too. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to tell her. So after we were stories, she was still with the card, but just sharing that testimony. It was just, it's just an awesome thing, you know, in the season of miracles. So we may not always get those big miracles. You know, you were talking about Matt, you know, but you did have a miracle of speaking into him way before that time, and we know how stubborn he was. So just those who have ears hear, and you know, and you'll hear God's voice. Amen. It's encouraging that you guys are responding to God and that he responds back. Uh, you can listen to the messages right on the app, so you plug it in on your phone, and the audio messages are right there on your phone, and you can listen to it anywhere in your car. Uh, the cool part is you could speed up the speed. So if you want to get an hour message in 30 minutes, <laughs> it'll just talk really, really fast, but you can still understand everything and get everything you need in less time. So I encourage you to check out the app. Anyway, we are starting our new series, 2020 Vision in 2020. So officially, Happy New Year to everybody. If you noticed, I'm sporting my brand new glasses. I walked in after getting them. And uh, I was walking up the stairs, and my daughter, if you're new here, I have a little two-year-old. She caught me at the top of the stairs, and she started belly laughing. I can't even explain. She just laughed and laughed and laughed. And then she turns to me, and she goes, you're so cute. <laughs> it made my day. And I thought it was a one-time thing, but I put my glasses back on this morning, and she puts her hand right against my face, and she goes, you're just so cute. They repeat what we say, right? So my new glasses, uh, I'm going to tell you, it is a new way of seeing things. I was supposed to wear glasses, mom, since when? Elementary school? I'm supposed to wear them all the time. I stopped wearing them in junior high because if I would forget them at home, then you really couldn't see, and then I would get a headache, and I didn't like that, so I just stopped wearing them. And I thought I was fine for many years. I put these bad boys on, and I realized I really wasn't seeing very well. Things are very clear. So I wore them specifically for today because our, our series is 2020 Vision. So what is 2020 Vision? It is a term used to express normal visual acuity, which is the clarity or sharpness of vision, measured at a distance of 20 feet. So if you have 2020 Vision, you can see clearly at 20 feet what Normally, you would be able to, you should see clearly at 20 feet what normally people should see at that distance, right? So we know about um, the show 2020, the new show, Channel 7, I don't know what time it is. So it's the program that what, aims to shed light or bring a very clear view on a certain newsworthy stories. So 2020 vision is about seeing clearly, it's about seeing accurately. 2020 vision is considered quote, normal vision, whatever normal means, right? So again, it's being able to see what you're supposed to see at a proper distance, which for the Snellen chart is 20 feet. So our goal for this year, for 2020, is to be able to clearly and accurately see through the eyes of God and the life that God has for you. So our question today is, what can you see? Which is the title of today's message. 
what can you see? Eagles have a natural vision of 22. Is that up there? Yeah. So hence the expression eagle eye, which means they have an exceptional eye for detail. They see from 20 feet what we would only be able to see from two feet away. So what we can only see at two feet, they see at a distance of two. Um, they see at a distance of 20. 2015 at this level is considered superior vision. It's superior to 2020. It means that a patient can see an object at 20 feet, what a patient with 2020 vision can only see at 15 feet. And then it goes on from there. 2040 vision, this is the requirement in order to be able to pass the driver's license test. This is why I was always able to pass the test without my glasses, because it's 2040 vision and not 2020. So the chart is a little bit closer than, to, than 20 feet, uh, than 40 feet away. So I always passed without needing that. At 2080, you should be able to read the time at an alarm clock at 10 feet and be able to read the headline of a newspaper as they are set at that side. And at 2200, eyewear is needed and patients at this level are considered legally blind and are only able to see the letters at a stop sign. So these are different technical levels of physical vision. So the question is, what can you see spiritually? If you had to rate yourself spiritually, where would you be? Would we be 2020 vision, seeing normally? Would we be 2015 vision, seeing all the details and everything that God is doing? Maybe 2040, just enough to get by, but missing all the details and the specifics? Or maybe we're at 2200, where even though this sign is blurry for a point, we basically can only see the E. Meaning we know that God is real and that's about it. Everything else is a little uncertain, unclear, a little blurry in our lives. So as we go into today's message, that's the question is what can you see? Would you consider yourself as spiritually blind? Are things blurry for you? Unclear, uncertain? Or do you have a vision for the life that God has in store for you? And can you clearly see the way that he is moving in our life, in the nation, in your life specifically, in our community, in your family? Can you see the things that he desires to do? Or are they blurry? So the context of the passage today, we're going in 2 Kings chapter 6. Here the king of Syria was at war with Israel. I'm picking up on verse 13, and this is the king speaking, and he says, Go, find out where he, Elisha, is, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back and said, He is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God, the servant of Elisha, got up and went early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You see, Elisha's servant could physically see, 
but he couldn't spiritually see. So today, I want to discuss some of the visual impairments, some of the things that are keeping us from spiritually seeing what God desires to do and what he is doing in our life. Some of us are seeing blurry. Some of us, our eyesight, spiritually speaking, is not very clear. And there are things that are hindering us from really seeing what God desires us to see. And the first thing that I wanted to discuss was pain. Pain and grief, Psalm 6, verses 6 through 7, I am worn out from sobbing. All night I flood my bed with weeping, drenching it with my tears. My vision is blurred by grief, and my eyes are worn out because of all my enemies. This is a big one. So the definition of grief is deep sorrow, especially that caused by someone's death. So we know that grief takes place when somebody passes away. But grief and the feelings of deep sorrow, it's not just limited to somebody dying. We grieve at many different times in our life outside of the death of a loved one. So sometimes we experience the feelings of grief and deep sorrow for things like the death of a relationship. The pain of different strained relationships in our lives. People who have maybe hurt us or maybe people that we have hurt. Relationships that have ended, people who have abandoned us or betrayed us or broken us. So whether it's a family member, a friend, a daughter, a son, a coworker, people who are once close in your life that are no longer a part of your life or that relationship is strained or broken, it brings a level of sorrow or grief in your life because things have, have ended even without life ending. Some of us are experiencing grief for the sorrow of loved ones walking away from God. So you're now seeing that person who once walked with God not walking with God anymore, and that brings grief and sorrow into your life. Some of us are grieving over different situations in your life. Maybe it was a drastic loss of finances, a drastic change in your health, so we're in 2020, January. I think it was last week, Mom, that you went to the orthopedic. My mom, in December of 2018, late, early December of 2018, was in a terrible car accident. They had to pull her out of the car that flipped over and she shattered her shoulder and uh, needed surgery. And she had an entire year of physical struggles. Her health in, in one year uh, rapidly declined, and not only from the surgery, uh, but she ended up in the hospital with respiratory infections, and she had another procedure done, and she had multiple other infections going on. So the rapid decline in your health and even physical pain sometimes blurs you from what God is doing. I can recall time and time again going to my mom and say, I know you can't see it right now, because you're struggling, because this has been a year where everything seemingly has gone wrong for you and you're struggling, but God is moving and God is still with you and God's plan is for healing and you're going to see yourself through this and God will see yourself through this and she just got cleared by the orthopedic, no more physical therapy unless she needs it, look she's got her hands up, 
But in the midst of that time, and you could talk to her, my mom struggled. My mom struggled. And a lot of the prayer requests that I sent out were specifically that. Please pray, pray that she would be encouraged because things get very blurry in terms of how is God moving when we're struggling with this sorrow, with the pain, with the grief. And some of us, we have grief and sorrow over unmet expectations and unanswered prayers. You know, there was one time that we were talking about grief upstairs in the women's group, and one of the ladies shared, I'm grieving over what should have been in the life of my grandchildren. Now, things are, are still good, but whatever diagnosis came, things were not going to be on the, quote, normal scale, and there was a level of grief that came with that. So whether it is through those things or even we think we should be in a different place in life by now or God should have answered this particular prayer for us or why do we not experience this blessing or these certain things happening but people around us are experiencing it, for some of us that brings sorrow into our lives. And all of those things begin to cloud our vision for God. So we struggle to see hope. We struggle to maintain faith. We struggle to see God in all of his ways. The fact that God has good plans for us sometimes is not something that we can see. We can only see our current situation and our current pain. It's hard to grab hold to his promises. Victory is something, okay, we'll sing about it, but we don't really see it for our lives. So the pain... The sorrow prevents us from seeing anything else, and especially when it comes to the death of a loved one. So as Miles already mentioned, as I mentioned last week when we lost Matt, that time of, of grieving sometimes makes our vision very blurry. How can God bring good out of something so tragic? So pain blurs our vision. The second thing that hinders our, our spiritual eyesight is what I call planks in the scripture logs. It comes from Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. I want to explain, yeah. It's a cool graphic, right? But that's us, right? So we're the ones with the big old plank in our eye and the tiny little speck there. I really want to detail this scripture out because sometimes it's misquoted and misunderstood. So I'm going to read specifically what one uh, author shared. These are not my words, but he really summarized it well. He says, a lot of people use this passage of scripture to try and argue that it is wrong to make a moral judgment about the way that other people live. Right? Don't judge me. You guys are too judgmental. He says, that's a wrong view of this parable. Other places in the Bible, and even a few verses later in Matthew, we are taught that we need to be able to evaluate and consider what Adonai approves of. 
How can people recognize their sin in order to be saved from their sin if they aren't told that what they are doing is sinful? So critical and reflective thinking are important in order to help other people. Yeshua is talking about a different type of judging in this parable. See, this parable speaks against the type of judgmental attitudes that try and make others look like less than we are by pointing out their flaws without acknowledging our own. It tells us not to be hypocrites, but to judge ourselves first, recognize our sins and deal with them, not just simply point out the sin of others. So if we deal with the plank in our eye, the sin in our lives, then we are able to help others with the speck in their eye, which is their sin, by pointing them to the solution that is needed by both parties. Some of us, this is a big deal for, even though we don't like to admit it. We're walking around with big old planks hanging out of our eyes, and we don't necessarily realize it. I'll give you a few examples. I'll give you a few personal examples. Wayne said it was okay to share this testimony. So Wayne's been on the board, and there were a couple times I'm like, oh, hey, Wayne, meet me in the office. I need your keys. And Wayne never came because he didn't really hear me. So we got into a little discussion like, you don't really hear well, Wayne. Why don't you, like, go get a hearing test? And he bucked up against it a little bit, and oh, I don't need to. I don't want to. And uh, you can ask Chris. I'm very good at being like, well, that's just stupid. <laughs> You should do this. You should go get your hearing test. And if you need a hearing aid, get a hearing aid because it's going to help your life and it's going to help the lives of people around you who are trying to talk to you and you can't hear. And I don't know how it came to be, but he said something about me needing to wear glasses. And I was like, I don't need glasses. <laughs> I can see fine. He's like, I can hear fine. I'm like, mm. <laughs> So we made a little deal in the office when we were counting that if he would make his appointment, which I'm sure he was going to do anyway, that I would go get my eyes checked and wear glasses. So I did not get these glasses for this message. I got them to keep to my word because, truth be told, I was struggling with my eyesight but compensating very well in my own personal opinion, not when it came to my driving, not when it came to how many times up here that I would be, right, reading, and I'd be like, I'm sorry, hold on one second, I can't see. Because it became normal for me. But I will tell you, when I spoke to Wayne, I spoke to him like this. You should get your hearing checked, and that's just silly that you don't want to. While having no problem not getting my eye checked. Now, this is not an issue of sin, right? It's funny, it's a cute little story. But sometimes it does hover around sin. So when I was first married, almost 10 years ago, in October it'll be 10 years, so whatever our husbands do that, you know, we get mad at, I won't, I can't remember, something inconsiderate, I thought it was perfectly fine when I was angry to throw things. <laughs> it's just kind of what we do. <laughs> so if Evan just got me really mad, I would throw things, whether it be a Tupperware or a pod, and if I was really angry, things would just go flying. And I remember Evan looking at me like, And in every argument, the only thing that I saw was, well, you did this. And with no problem of my behavior in my, in my anger. And we do that in a lot of areas of our life, right? You are wrong for this, but we're not going to see us. And it goes on a big scale, okay? So in the body of Messiah, we like to take a very strong stance against homosexuality. But 
as a body as a whole, we are not paying attention to our divorce rates that are equivalent to the world, 50%. When I went to uh, Soundview Pregnancy Center banquet, the speaker who was speaking said, I'll double check myself, I believe he said four out of 10 women who went for abortions were those that were sitting in congregations. So if we are gonna take a stand against sin, which we should, as a body of Messiah, like the blogger said, it's our responsibility to clearly state what is wrong. That's our responsibility. But we need to be able to take a look at ourselves and deal with things that we are doing wrong. So some examples of little planks and logs that we keep in our eye is unforgiveness, which is a resentful attitude, not having compassion to forgive or keeping a grudge against someone who has offended you. So these are all the things that we keep here, right? So we can come and we can worship and we can sing and we're all good with God and we notice other people's specs, but we sit here with an attitude or holding a grudge against anybody in our lives that really is a plank sticking out of your eye that ought not to be there. Pride. In the Bible, pride does not mean simple arrogance. Instead, it means preferring self-will to God's will. This is a hard one because nobody really sits there and says, oh, hey, I'm prideful. I'll share one last testimony. We were at a retreat in Pennsylvania, the MJAA, and uh, the last message for the week, I was like, come on, God, make it a good one. I really want to be radically touched. I really want to be radically moved. And the guy was preaching on sin, and I was like, oh, sin. I don't have any sin issues. Why do we have to listen to this? <laughs> How many of you guys know that's a statement of pride right there? I promise you I did not recognize that as a statement of pride, which is how pride works, right? We say something, and everybody else is like, oh, my gosh, you're so stuck up and prideful. And we're just sitting there like, I'm good to go. I got this. Anyway, I went up for prayer, and I repented of the sin of pride. Let me tell you, the presence of the Lord on that particular prayer was awesome. I don't know how he spoke to me, but I did recognize that that's pride. But we do struggle with pride, whether we prefer our will and our way over God's will and God's way. Sometimes we approach God with a sense of blame, with those unmet expectations, right? Why didn't you do this, God? You could have done this. Why am I at this place in my life? Why did you allow this to happen? Why did I need to be sick for an entire year? A shoulder surgery would have been enough, but a hospitalization and five infections on top of that, a little bit too much, God. Some of that is pride that comes out. And this sin can lead us to rebel even inwardly against God. And it keeps us from seeing things clearly. I clearly had an issue with sin and that message was for me. But pride was keeping me from understanding that I had an issue with sin. So pride will blur your vision because you'll just come in and you'll be like, when is she going to stop talking because I don't have a pride issue. Move on to your next point, because I'm good with this one. Are you? I don't really like how they worship to CDs. I wish Moises would have been here with the piano. It would have been so much better. And Pride comes out in a lot of different ways. 
It allows us to justify our way over God, God's way, and it gives no room for God to impart his will into our life. And one of the last areas I want to talk about is offense. According to Vine's complete expository dictionary of the Old and the New Covenant, uh, yeah, New Covenant words, the word offense is derived from the Greek word scandalon, which originally was the name of the part of a trap to which the bait is attached. So hence the trap itself was a part that lured or snared an animal. And the actual definition is feeling of resentful displeasure. So the Greek word literally translates into an animal trap. And when you bite into a fence against somebody else, you have bit into the bait of Satan, which is a book. I highly recommend if you struggle with offense. If you're snared by feelings of resent and anger and displeasure towards somebody else, and you can fully defend and justify your feelings because of how they hurt you or offended you, you have bitten into offense. And some of us struggle with this. We are angry, we are bitter, and we're offended by people in our lives. Some of us offended by people right here in this room. Or maybe within our own families or at work. And we hold on to these feelings because this is how offense works. You really have done something wrong against me. So now I feel justified in holding on to that offense and that anger and that resentment. Now, though a majority of the time what people do to offend us is unintentional, even though we don't think it, oh, they knew exactly what they were doing when they said that. Another little dig my way intentionally. Most of the time, it's unintentional. But even when it is intentional, it doesn't give us a right to hold on to those feelings of anger and bitterness and resentment and offense. You know, the rabbis often mention this. We can't say that we are good with our vertical relationship with God if our horizontals are strained with things like unforgiveness and offense. So if there are people in your life, in this room, in your family, and this relationship this way, horizontally, is strained, whether it be in your marriage, whether it be with somebody in this congregation, whether it be a simple coworker that really has offended you or hurt you, and those feelings on the inside, your vertical relationship is not where it ought to be. And to go back to our illustration, you are spiritually blinded if you think that this can be okay and this is not okay. And offense is a hard one. I struggle with this significantly because I grew up in an Italian family, and when my dad got into a fight with his sister, he stopped talking to her for 20-something years. So we grew up with our cousins, and we were fairly close, and then everything ended. And what my my aunt did to my dad and what his brother-in-law did, I thought they said some harsh things. So he was justified in feeling hurt, but he was not justified in carrying offense for 20-something years and having that relationship strained the way that it was. I won't go into the details, but that relationship has been restored, and they are speaking. 
Amen. So my disclaimer, I do get that there are ways that we are significantly hurt by people, and those people may be 100% wrong, but how we handle it, there's proper ways to put boundaries in our life and proper ways that we can deal with those things and still keep ourselves free from the feelings of offense. You can't see clearly if you're entertaining those feelings that come from our flesh. And our last spiritual impairment today is proximity. It comes from Job 42.5. My ears have heard you, but now my eyes have seen you. So the question is, what is our proximity to God? I need a volunteer. I'll take Marlene. Thanks, Marlene. Yep, nope, you're going to stand at the back towards the exit sign. Right in the middle, right there, yep. Can you see the big E? Can you read me the bottom line? Okay, take three steps forward. Can you read the bottom line now? Come halfway, right to that horrible seam in the carpet that one day we're going to get repaired. Yep. Can you read the bottom line now? Come closer to our next. There we go. Can you read the bottom line now? That's okay. (laughs) It serves my purpose. (laughs) Can you read the bottom line now? Go ahead, nice and loud. I can see it too. Very good. Thank you, Miss Marlene. Everybody can see the big E, but depending on where you are in this room depends on whether or not you can see the finer details and the smaller letters. What you see spiritually depends on how close you are with God. Some of us are so excited because we see E-H-N-D-F-N and we are stoked. And God is saying, but look at all this. There's so much more that I'm doing. There's so much more that I want you to know and learn and see. There's so many details, so many things I want to speak to you, words that I want to give you, ways that I want to use you in other people's lives, words I want to give you for other people in their lives, but it requires you to draw near to him. If you're too far, your eyesight spiritually is impaired. The closer you get to him, the better and the more you will be able to see. I lost my message. There we go. So when you read your scriptures, or for some of us, if we read and do devotions, are you reading to read, or are you reading to connect with God? Are you worshiping to praise him, or just to sing? Are you praying to communicate, to hear what he has to say to you, or do we just have our list of things 
that we go to him with? Are we seeking him to grow and to learn or just because we feel a little obligated? One song we didn't sing today, most of you know it, the more I seek you, the more I find you. The more you seek him, the closer you get to him, the more you find him, the more you will see of him and the things that he's doing. You will see situations and the circumstances and the struggles, just like the servant of Elisha saw the armies and the chariots, but you will also see the army of God beside you and the ways that God is moving in your life on top of those situations and circumstances the closer you are to God. Your clarity will come with your proximity to God. So we're going to close with three simple steps. This is your application for today. Are you willing to take a spiritual eye test and see things for what they really are? The first thing, if you are struggling with pain or grief or sorrow or unmet expectations, is to ask God to heal your pain. Psalm 30, 11 through 12. I'm going to read off the screen because I have a, a half a version. It says, You turn my mourning into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy so that my well-being can praise you and not be silent. Adonai, my God, I will thank you forever. You know, when I first started coming to Beth Emanuel, I was in my early 20s, I think 21 or 22 or so. Some of you know my testimony, some of you don't, but I was molested by my grandfather growing up, and all I knew was sorrow and pain. And I was one angry, angry person. And I'll never forget coming up for prayer. I didn't even know half the reason that I was hurt and angry. I mean, obviously we know it now, but I wasn't always attributing it to, to my history. And I still remember the day that I came up, and Rabbi Carol just simply prayed that prayer over me. And said, he's going to change your sorrow and your mourning into great shouts of joy. And I wept a weeping because I had so much pain. But I will tell you something. I can freely speak about it now because I am healed from that. I don't have the pain or the sorrow or the grief that I once had because I went to God and I said, I have this pain. Will you heal me? I'll talk about Matt forever, and so will Phyllis, but there is a level of healing because just like I, I know Phyllis too, we go to the Lord and we're able to rejoice that he prayed. And if you know Matt, Matt was stubborn. He doesn't pray in front of anybody. So even grief with the death of a, of a loved one, there's a place of healing that you can still clearly see what God is doing in the midst of your sorrow when you asked him to heal those areas of your life. So whatever the pain is, physical pain, unmet expectations, grief, sorrow, your history growing up, abuse, any of those things, God can and will heal them. And when you're not stuck in sorrow and grief, literally, right, when you're crying, your eyes are blurry, when God can heal those areas of your life, you will begin to see him more clearly. The second thing is to agree to remove the plank from your eye. Proverbs 1, 23. The Lord says, repent at my rebuke, and then I will pour out my thoughts to you, and I will make known to you my teachings. I don't know what your particular plank in your eye is, but ask God if you have one. 
Don't sit here in the message and say, I really hope so-and-so next to me is listening to this because their plank is protruding out and it's poking me in my eye. Look to God and say, God, do I have unforgiveness? Am I struggling with offense? Do I have pride because I don't think I have a plank in my eye and I don't want to hear about this? Is there something in my life that I should be doing that I'm not doing or that I am doing that I should not be doing, but I justify it because it's easy? Agree to say, I will be honest and I will allow God to speak to me and remove that plank. It will not be an easy process. So when it comes to our eyes, my daughter poked Jeremiah in the eye. My older son is Jeremiah. And I didn't think anything of it. And I was like, just, Jeremiah, just rub it. It's no big deal. Well, he went to school and the nurse called me three times because the kid kept going to the nurse because his eye was tearing. And I said, now I have to take him to the eye doctor. And he had a corneal abrasion, which if you ever scratch your eye, apparently it's very uncomfortable. It's not an easy thing. But when it comes to planks, I always think of Myrna's story. We were at the Northeast Retreat. She had some kind of sandal on and she was just walking. It was like a, a skewer, right? It was a, like, a, like a straw, but it was wood. It was like a plank. It was a little plank. And she's just walking. She goes, oh! That's how Myrna says it, right? Oh! The, the, the thing on her big toe, literally, like, just, just, I don't even, it just stuck her big toe. It speared her. It was like a spear. There was no getting that thing out. We tried once, and she screamed, a scream that you shouldn't hear. So she ended up in the hospital. We were in New Jersey, I think it was. And my mom went with her to the hospital. I wasn't there. We have bagels upstairs, make sure you go. Ask them for this story, because it's much funnier than what I can say <laughs> on the microphone being videotaped. <laughs> but it was not an easy process to take that thing out. It, it hurt more for that plank to come out than going in, correct? There was no pain when that thing stabbed her in the toe. She just went, oop, and it was there. And she was able to walk fine. There was no pain. There was no blood. There was nothing. Just a little pinch. But for that to come out, she screamed and screamed and screamed. And that was with the shots to numb her. That was with the needles in her toe. It was an excruciating process for that to come out. And what's my point? Sometimes the planks that we have in our eyes, they go in very easily. We're not sitting there going, oh, I think I have a really big issue in my life. Dear God, help me. We just go, oh, well. But when God wants to put his finger on it and says, I'm ready to remove this area of your life so you begin to cl see clearly, sometimes that process is uncomfortable and painful. But walk through it because you don't want to walk around with a plank in your eye. And the final thing is to approach. Approach Adonai in a vibrant relationship. Don't stay far off, but come close to him. Zechariah 13, return to me, declares the Lord, and I will return to you. Amos 5.4, this is what the Lord says to Israel, seek me and live. And finally, Jeremiah 26.13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. There is much more to God and the plans that he has than where we are right now if we can come closer to him in a relationship and not stay far off. Don't be satisfied with the top five rows. 
look for the details and all the things that God wants to do in your life. Why is good vision important? This was from an article speaking about physical vision. It says it's important because it keeps you safe. Average activities such as driving or biking or even walking can be dangerous for you or others if you cannot see properly. Having good vision can prevent unnecessary mishaps, especially when outdoors or close to traffic. Comfort, being able to see clearly allows you more freedom in your activities. Having good vision means that you won't have to squint, whether you're at the back of the classroom or at the front. You have reading ease. Good vision helps you read more comfortably for work or for learning. And your quality of life, good vision, you will not have to compromise on your quality of life. So what's the spiritual correlation? Good spiritual vision will prevent unnecessary mishaps in your life. You will have the comfort of being able to clearly see the freedom that Yeshua has purchased for you and what that means for your life specifically. Just like reading ease, good vision allows you to grow and learn in the ways of God in all areas of your life. And finally, with good vision, you will not have to compromise your quality of life by missing out on the important details that God has for you. So we'll close with this. Again, Elijah's servant could see physically but he could not see spiritually. And the same is true for us. So we may be walking with God and we may be able to see some things, but other things are blurry and unclear. For those of us who are not walking with God, whether you're here in this room or eventually listening on the podcast, I will tell you, though you think you can see, you can't. If you're not walking with God and your life is not surrendered to him, you are. 100% missing out. The good news is all you have to do is decide to walk with God and to accept Yeshua as Messiah. This year of 2020, the goal is 2020 vision, to see clearly what God has for you. And I believe there are great things in store for our nation and our Jewish people. So whether it's personally corporately here, spiritually, whether it has to do with our community or your own life, God has much more that he desires for us to see if you're willing to do those three things. Let 2020 be a year of 2020 vision. And I know it's a cute catchphrase, but the whole point of everything that we do here to drive the point home is to see your life changed and transformed. That's my prayer for you. And stand to your feet. We'll pray for you. Adonai, we thank you for today, God. And I pray that every point of this message was driven home into our hearts. I pray, God, that we would come before you in every single area, God, to ask you to heal our pain, uh, to agree to allow you to change some things in our lives that need to be changed and to approach you in a a relationship, God, that we draw close to you. And I pray, God, that each person today responds not to a message, not to my words, not uh, to any of the graphics, God, but to the word of life that you desire to bring in each of our lives to bring change and transformation. I pray that we would grab hold and truly see things with your eyes so that things are clear for us in what you desire to do. I pray that over each person here today. I ask your blessing upon them. 
in Yeshua's name. Amen. Bagels and coffee will be served upstairs. Jim will put on a CD. If anybody does need prayer, we'll make ourselves available for that. Please make sure you go for the Oneg. Uh, Marlene, thank you. Marlene and Sal were our Oneg committee people. Thank you so much for handling that. And uh, God bless. Shabbat Shalom. The rabbis will be back on Wednesday.